Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from the book of Esther about how well Mordecai taught Hadassah the Word of God and built up and prepared a foundation into her heart. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes through the podcast. We want to thank you so much for your listenership and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And now as Christmas is approaching and Hanukkah just a few weeks away, Tom Cantor has written a 17-page gospel track called How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas. Now this track will help you to reach lost Jewish people at Christmas time, whether they're at your work or maybe they're just friends or neighbors or someone you know. This track has a wonderful illustration that is even good for Gentiles or Jewish people. It's a wonderful track. Now, this booklet is not available on our website, and we truly do have a limited supply of them. But it is available for a donation amount, any amount, today, if you call us at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can get Tom Cantor's gospel track, 17-page gospel track on how a Jew learned the true meaning of Christmas. Call us today for a donation of any amount, 1-800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor as we continue our study from the Book of Esther on the Friendship with God radio program. Even though he didn't know him by that name, but that's what he was doing. So he taught his family this, and he taught little Esther, and he said, he said as he gathered them around, he said, i got to tell you something that happened in the life of our people, and he took them to Genesis 12. Turn to Genesis 12 as he was teaching them. In Genesis 12, one of the great, great histories here as he encouraged them, because they were in the midst of of a very wicked place in Shushan the palace. And he taught them, he said, this is not the first time our people have been in the midst of a very wicked place, but I'm going to teach you through this this history here. And look what he said in Genesis 12, verse 10. And it says here, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. I don't know what was wrong with Abram. I don't know why he just now decided that she was pretty, but for some reason, I don't know. Maybe someone else looked at her, but anyway. For some reason, he came to this conclusion. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall say, they shall say, this is his wife, and they'll kill me, and they'll save thee alive. So Abraham, there was no question about. So uh, verse 13, Say, I pray thee that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And so he explained this to them, and he told them, he said, you know, He said, our father, our patriarch Abraham, he was afraid, and he was wrong, and he made an error. What was his error? Because he thought that the king of Egypt here, Pharaoh, he thought he was greater than God. But he's not greater than God. God is greater than Pharaoh. But this has been written for us so that we can understand, so that we can learn from this. He told little Esther, she's reading this, and along with him. And so then it says in verse 14, it came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair, so they thought she was pretty too. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And at that point, maybe Mordecai said, oh no, she was taken into Pharaoh's house. How could God have let that happen? What's going on? Where's God? Maybe the little kid said, where's God? Where's God? Well, just keep reading. 
And verse 16, And he entreated Abraham well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants, maid servants and she asses and camels. So our people got a lot of money for her. So anyway, <laughs> but, but she's thinking, is that fair? But she says, keep reading. Verse 17, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. God took care of her. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst not tell me she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister, so I may have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. And so he told her, he said, Look what happened. She was obedient, because she knew she wasn't his sister. But Abraham said to her, You say you are my sister. And she could have said, I'm not going to do that because it's not true. You're not, you're my husband. But he said, you say this. And she said, okay. And that's also commended in the book of Peter. It says, you know, she called him Lord, but he said, okay. And so God honored her obedience. Do you see that, Esther? God honored her obedience and God took care of her and Pharaoh never touched her. And they got great riches, and they needed those riches as they later came through. So God overruled it all. Why? Because God is greater than Pharaoh. And our God is to be trusted above Pharaoh. And so this was a bad decision on on Abraham's part. And he says, and then he would say now, and then he would gather his kids together. Now he says, now kids, now let's look at, at Genesis 20 just to see how well our father Abraham learned the lesson. And so come now to chapter 20. And verse 1, and here it's not Pharaoh, it's a different situation. And he says in verse 20, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country, and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She's my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. I'm sure Sarah said, not this again. Anyway, so then she said, but that's what happened. And verse 3, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. And I'm sure that Mordecai put down, his, put down his scroll at that point and says, do you see what God did? Even though he stumbled a second time, our father Abraham. And Sarah obeyed him. Sarah was good. She obeyed. Even though he did that a second time, do you see what God did? He didn't have to do this, but he came in a dream to Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, you're as good as dead. You're dead. And he said that, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said they not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself, said, He's my brother, in the integrity of my heart, and in the of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. He'll pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, though that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore, Abimelech rose up early in the morning. (laughs) That's an important word. (laughs) And called all his servants and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore affrighted, it says. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended? And what has brought on me on my kingdom a great sin that thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done? And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou didst not this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they'll slay me for my wife's sake. And then Mordecai would have turned to Esther and said, It doesn't matter if the fear of God is not in this place, because God is still over this place. 
And he was still over there. And Abraham was wrong because he was wrong thinking. Because he thought, well, I have to be in a place where they respect God. He says, no, you don't. You have to be in the place where you obey God, where you walk with God, where you obey. And you see, Esther, how God honored her obedience. You see that, Esther? In all of this, he was building in her this need to be obedient. And he was building in her about the great God of Abraham that took care of Abraham even when he stumbled the two times. And she was getting it. She was getting it more and more as they went along. And this passage goes on and he says, look, he says, uh, Abimelech sent him away and gave him a lot of things. It says there in verse 14, Abimelech took sheep and oxen, men servants, women servants, gave them to Abraham, restored Sarah his wife. Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleaseth thee. Unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. And then he said, then she took, she says, Look what the beautiful thing that the king Abimelech said to about Abraham and to Sarah. He said to her, he said, well, Uncle Mordecai, does this mean that, that she should have many men in a life? He says, no, no, no. He says, look what she said. She says, he is to be to you a covering of the eyes. Abraham, Sarah, he said to Sarah, he said, Sarah, Abraham is to you a covering of the eyes. That's all you see. You just see him, Sarah, in your life. He says, isn't that beautiful? And she got it, and she understood it. All these things were percolating in her head because she was understanding more and more as Mordecai was taking time to teach her, God was greater than Pharaoh. God was greater than King Abimelech. God is greater than King Ahasuerus in which we live in. And what's the message for us? God is greater than any president or ruler on this earth. God is greater. And this is what was coming through. And then the other thing he said is that if you obey like Sarah obeyed, God will be so pleased with you, he'll work it all out. He'll make it all come to good. And he'll even use you. Maybe he'll use you. Little Esther, you are beautiful. Your matriarch, Sarah, was beautiful. Her beauty got her in trouble. Your beauty will get you. No, I don't know if you said that. But (laughs) he said, but even, she said, the beauty that Sarah had was not, look how beautiful I am. The beauty that Sarah had was that, don't look at my outward appearance, look at how I submit myself to Abraham. Look at how I call him Lord. Look at how I even say, yeah, he's my brother, because he told me to say that. That's beautiful, he would say. That's what God says. Oh, that's so beautiful. And then little little, little Esther would say, thank you, good night, uncle. And she would say, he would say, good night, Esther. And these things percolated. In her mind, and they went down. And what was he doing? What was Mordecai doing with all of this? Mordecai was building a foundation in her. And little did Mordecai know how that foundation was going to be used by God. Little did he know that Proverbs 22.6 was going to play out in his hands. Train up a child, train up little Esther in the way that she should go. And when she is old and outside of the home, she won't depart. We will continue finishing with Tom Cantor's message. Now, Tom Cantor wants to help you to better understand the Jewish people. So today we're offering a two-disc DVD teaching set about the Jewish people. It's called The Jewish People, Past, Present, and Future, as seen in the life of Joseph. It's a wonderful two-disc DVD set that we'd like to offer you today for a donation amount of $50 or more. So please call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051 to get a copy of this two-disc 
DVD teaching set from Tom Cantor on the Jewish people, 1-800-247-3051. And that's for a donation amount of $50 or more, and we'll be able to send you that two hours of teaching from Tom Cantor. This great two-disc set will help you to better understand the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future, as seen in the life of Joseph in scriptures. Now, we're offering this, again, for a donation amount of $50 or more. You can get this two-disc DVD set so you can learn more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future, and great Tom Cantor teaching. So call us today for your donation amount of $50 or more. We'll send that to you, 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now, we also have a book written by Tom Cantor called Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People. This book shows you the biblical past, present, and future of the Jewish people. Now call us today so you can learn more about God's lost chosen nation of people. Again, call us 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. For a donation of $50 or more, we've got the two-disc DVD set or the book from Tom Cantor on understanding the past, present, and future of the Jewish people. Now, here's Tom Cantor as we continue our study from the Book of Esther on the Friendship with God radio program. You know, last Friday, we went to our, the graduation of our granddaughter from kindergarten. That was a more festive event than me getting my bachelor's degree from University of California, San Diego. That took a long time. There were six kids in the class at a Christian school. And in the ceremony, it was beautiful to see Because these six little kids, they pledged allegiance to the Christian flag, and then they pledged allegiance to the Bible, and they pledged allegiance to the Savior, and they recited the Lord's Prayer, and they recited the 23rd Psalm, and they recited many verses from Psalm 119, and our little granddaughter Grace worked so hard, and she held the Bible up there and led them all in the Pledge of the Bible, and it was so great to see. Why? Seeds had obviously been planted within these kids. A foundation had been laid in this school within these kids. And they were showing that, that these things were deep within their hearts. And you could see it on the face of the kids. Uh, This uh, June 21st, we have a kindergarten also down in Mexico. We're going to have a graduation there of eight kids. The same thing. It's going to be almost an all-day event. And they're also going to stand up and pray and read from Scripture and recite verses they've memorized and things like this. And you look at that and you say to yourself, oh, I'm so glad. Because what we're seeing here in these schools and so forth in the homes is just the continuation of what Mordecai was doing. Just the same thing. Building and building. Planting little seeds. Little seeds through the story, not the stories, through the histories of the parting of the Red Sea, of the, of the plagues, the deliverance from Egypt, and all of, these, all of these histories to basically say no one's greater than our God. No one's greater than our God. No one's greater than the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And if I obey God in my life, God can use me. That's the foundation that was built within her heart. Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Do you volunteer in Sunday school? My friend, Dr. Zolt, who has the Boys and Girls Club of uh, El Cajon, he's looking for volunteers. You have an opportunity to do this. You have an opportunity to build within the life of kids, to build this. Kids need to see adults speak seriously about God, speak from a heart of reliance on God, show by their own way that they talk about the Bible and that they talk about God, that this 
is a book to follow through life. This is a God to trust. This is a God to love and worship. This is a God to follow. This is a God not to forsake. That's us. And when we do that, same thing like in Mordecai, we plant deep, deep, deep into the hearts of the kids. And that's wonderful to do. Now, verse 8. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his degree was heard that many, many mains were gathered together into Shushan the palace to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. Now comes the horror of it all. Young girls gathered up, not even asked, simply on the basis of their appearance, rounded up, no consent, no request. You're just, you're, and going through the cut, the first cut, Esther's taken. And meanwhile, now Esther is out of Mordecai's sight and out of his care. And she obtains favor from, uh, from, the, from Haggai in verse 9, as we've seen. But what was Esther doing and what was she thinking during all this time, this particular time? Verse 10 gives us a clue. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred. Why? For Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And so Esther was sitting there and she was saying to herself, I remember when I sat in front of Uncle Mordecai. I remember when he taught me that Abraham told Sarah, you say, I'm your brother. I remember how Sarah obeyed. I remember how God honored that. And Mordecai told me, do not show that I am a Jew. Do not show my kindred. And so keep this name, this foreign name, Esther. Do never say the name Hadassah. And she did. And she did that because he charged her, you do this. And she was obedient. I remember all those things she said. Now, what was Mordecai doing? What was he thinking? Well, verse 11 says he was pretty nervous. And he was walking every day in front of the court of the women. He was a nervous wreck. And he was going crazy, worried, what's happening to my daughter? My little Esther, what's happening? What's becoming? Is she safe? You know, concubines who were chosen and gathered up here for the one night with the king, they had a very unhappy life after that, and a life of solitude. They weren't allowed to go out, couldn't get married. They just had to remain in solitude for the rest of their lives. So it was, they were really, it was very, not a good existence. So now it comes down to, well, Mr. Mordecai, well, Mr. Bible teacher, time for you. Time for you to take the medicine. Time for you to take the Bible lessons for your own heart. So Mordecai goes back to the Bible himself. And he goes back to the history of his people. And this time he doesn't go back to Abraham. This time he goes back to Moses. And we can imagine him reading. Turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And here's Mordecai and he's all alone there at home. And he's just beside himself, worried, sick for what's going to happen. And he reads this scroll in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, There went out a man of the house of Levi, took to wife, a daughter of Levi. She, the woman conceived, bare a son. When she saw him, that he was a godly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it. Notice that she did it. She built the ark. Daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. Notice that. She put the child in it. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Notice that. She put the ark in the water. And he sat there and he says to himself as he reads this, he says, it's my turn. My turn to trust God. This woman's name is Jochebed, the mother of Moses. He says, my turn to be like Jochebed. To be strong like Jochebed. Mordecai would have seen how Jochebed's child, Moses, was born in a very unfortunate time of history. He was under an edict for male child extermination. 
And just as Esther was born and was there in a very unfortunate time of history because she happened to be beautiful and Vashti was kicked out and she got taken up and she was also an orphan. So he would have thought, you know, Jochebed could only keep her child for a certain period of time. It says three months, just temporarily. Then she had to give him up. And the people from the king's palace came and took Esther and I had to give her up. I didn't want to. But Jacobet didn't want to, but we're both in the same boat. No play on words. Anyways, we're both in the same situation right now. And we had to give up the one we loved, our children. And then Mordecai would have thought of Jacobet making that little ark. And he would have thought, oh, the heartbrokenness of it all. She's making an ark for her child that she knows she's going to put into, a, into the Nile River. And it says here, as we read, she's putting the tar on the ark. She's not just a building, but she's describing how she's putting the tar. You think that tar wasn't wet with her tears? As she knew what she was doing, she was building that little ark there. And then she comes down to the edge of the river, a crocodile-infested river, the Nile River, where little Moses would have been less than an appetizer for one of those crocodiles. And with strong currents that in a moment, little Moses would have been drowned. And with all the anxiety in her mind and the currents of worry and the idea of the thought of her floating her baby down this river and Mordecai then pacing back and forth. And then Mordecai would have thought to himself, you know, Jochebed realized God was greater than the Nile River. God was greater than Pharaoh. God was greater than anybody there. And God took care of her little baby. And so as she, as Jochebed, he pictured her as Jochebed taking little Moses, again, her warm tears splashing off of his little face, not knowing what's going on. And as she puts her baby in this ark and then takes the ark and walks over to the edge of the building and sets it down there. And he's sitting there thinking to himself, as he's pacing back and forth in front of the palace, how did she do it? How did she do it? How did she do it? And then he realized, he realized, he said, I know how she did it because she didn't see the ark anymore. And she didn't see the Nile anymore. What she saw? The arms and the hands of God. And so she said, she said, oh God, some people may call this an ark. Maybe some people call this a river. But you know what I call those? I call those the hands of God and the arms of God. And I'm taking this baby now and I'm placing my baby into your hands and into your arms. And you'll take care of him. And little did she know that that baby, who she did that to, would write those very words to his own people in Deuteronomy 33, 27, when he would say, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And from that thought, he could gain strength and encouragement to trust his daughter, Esther, into the hands there of what was going on. And you know what happened to him? The shalom of God, the peace of God came and set up a garrison in his heart. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard or garrison your hearts and minds from running crazy through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? These are our two people. These are our heroes. These are the ones that God is going to use to save this nation. That's an amazing thing. Now, why would God choose them? The Mordecai and Esther. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 tells us, You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, 
Not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, base things of the world, things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things that are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. What could be less noble? What could be less mighty? What could be more foolish and more base and more near to nothing than a prisoner of war and the orphan of dead prisoners of war? But that's Mordecai and Esther. But through these two, God is going to save his people, God is going to save the line through which God himself will come as the Messiah and will bring salvation to the world by becoming, as we heard this morning, the Lamb of God. Why did he do that? Why did he choose them? Because when he chose Esther and Mordecai, he confounded the wise. He confused the mighty. He reduced to nothing the things that really seemed great. Why? So no flesh can glory in his presence and that everybody can learn As Mordecai taught Esther, there's only one great. That's God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, it's ours just to worship him, to praise him, and to know that every knee is going to bow before him, and every tongue is going to say the truth that he is Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the encouraging histories that you give us here, Lord, in the book of Esther and how you saved your people. Thank you for the faithfulness of Mordecai. Thank you for the obedience of Esther. But most of all, Lord, thank you so much for your strength, your power, and your faithfulness to your people. We worship you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor. We appreciate your listenership and support. We want to remind you that we still need your financial support to continue this radio program on this station, in this city, and for your donation of any amount, we'd like to send you Tom Cantor's story on how a Jew became a scientific creationist. We appreciate your listenership and support of this program. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow.